Let's start tonight with a reading from a quote by Isaac Asimov. It goes as follows. You may have heard it. It says, There is a cult of ignorance in the United States, and there always has been. The strain of anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life, nurtured by the false notion that democracy means my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. I found that quote, of course, like many others, you know, to be um, awakening and enlightening and, and inspiring in many ways, because, you know, you realize that Isaac and others, you know, are, are a little more aware, I guess, than the than sort of the average are a little more self-aware than anything else, I think. And tonight I was really doing a lot of thinking on this celebration of ignorance, which is hardly limited to the United States. Uh, and similar to what we said in previous episodes, that it's a systemic problem, the celebration of ignorance and a systemic problem, as we discussed, one definition of it is that you might be participating in the problem and not fully realize it. And that's when something is so systemic that, like I said, you're potentially involved and you don't even not only do you not mean to be and not realize it, but you might even be completely against what you're actually doing. That's another episode. Please go back and listen to that if you like. But today, tonight, I really got to thinking about the celebration of ignorance and what it has, how far it's gone, how far it's gone. It's easy to pull that quote out. It's easy to throw it up on social media and, and you know, everything from feeling particularly righteous and pious about things and, and you know, smug and stick your nose up and go, ha ha, I am not ignorant. Um, and that's the most superficial way of thinking about this. And then there's the other side, which is where you get kind of down and you get sort of quiet and depressed. And, you know, maybe you're not surprised why sometimes you feel more insular than most people. It gets a little depressing, you know, or it can be when it feels like not only is ignorance rampant of all kinds but it's again you know celebrated then it goes a step further ignorance isn't just celebrated it's defended and often defended aggressively that doesn't sound like a surprise that's premise of just about every war that we've had ever documented something's gone wrong some kind of ignorance has been defended with force But you know me, or at least if you listen to this podcast, you should know me. I'm always concerned about the individual because that's where solutions begin and end is in yourself. Everything that society does as a whole is very easy to point the finger. And I generalize all the time and I say society as a whole. And I say um, in this modern world and people in general, and these are very catch all terms that are very easy to use. I think that if we take those with a slight grain of salt, and understand the point that's being made with those terms, hopefully in the appropriate context, can still be valid. But the idea that you speak for everybody is naive. The idea that you have an idea that will work for everyone, you know, in some benefit, some beneficial way, is naive, is ignorant. But when we think about ourselves, where things, like I said, begin and end in us, we are essentially a, a, a link in this giant chain of humanity. And, uh, you know, 
weakest links and all of that. Uh, we can only control us and every individual works independently, but that independent effort becomes a collective effort. And so to me, the celebration of ignorance is a celebration of self, the over celebration of self um, to the point where there's no conscious awareness of the bigger picture of how your behaviors impact other behaviors and can influence other behaviors in a good way. And that you almost, it's going to sound a little touchy here, guys, because some people strongly disagree with this, but you almost have a responsibility to society to behave in a way that sends things going in a positive way. Positive not meaning, like I said, like I always say, I don't mean happy smiles, jokes, goofing around. That's not the only definition of positive. Positive is progressive. But why we go inward for the wrong reasons is the same reason we should go inward for the right reasons. And that's because the outside world outside of us is out of our control. And ipso facto, that makes it scary. How many times do I tell you that? Out of our control means, you know, or rather if we're scared of something, if we're, um, you know, we feel a sense of loss, what we're really worried about is a lack of control. We've lost control. So, excuse me. That is why we go inward for many, many things. But when we go inward, or rather when you should go inward and, and search yourself and do everything from, you know, shadow work, if you want to call it that, to just meditation, self-discovery, uh, really trying to listen to your inner monologue and learn yourself. Find things out about yourself that are uncomfortable and face them. Come to terms with things about you that you like and don't like. When we look inward for ways that are progressive and hopefully you know, in the right context can be beneficial to those around you, not just yourself. But when we look inward is because we, we know, A, the outside world is very, very scary. In other words, we can't control it. And so it's easier to control ourselves. And B, we're only really responsible for ourselves. So that's a positive way of looking inward. Okay. But the negative way of looking inward that I've experienced, that I've witnessed is, uh, well, I want to correct that. Not just witnessed and not just experienced, but in fact done. In fact done the behavior. You look inward for the same reason that the world is scary, but you make some rash decisions based on limited information. And then you hold true to those assertions or whatever it is you come up with in your mind based on the limited information you have because the rest of the world is scary. I need something to believe in, something to hold on to. So I'm going to hold on to it, you know, zealously. And it doesn't even have to be any type of extremely profound belief or assertion or realization or philosophy or anything like that. It does not have to be something prototypically or stereotypically profound. It can be something very, very simple, a simple opinion based on the wrong information. The wrong knowledge can, can snowball. It can give you the wrong, the whole wrong perspective. But we do that. We're always scared of the world because the world can be scary. Again, because of lack of control. But if we go inward looking for comfort, we'll, we'll make it. We'll make the comfort however we need it to make. We'll put up mental blocks. We'll lie to ourselves. Uh, we'll do all kinds of things. We'll turn the other cheek to ourselves. Very easy. When we go inward, if you haven't done that before, if you haven't really spent time inside, looking at your dark side, looking at your 
positive side, looking at the things that terrify you and the things that you feel good about. Really assessing yourself where you are in your life at that moment, you know, with authenticity. If you haven't done that before, you don't usually look inward for comfort. The first thing you find is disturbance because you have to face some things that aren't fun. You have to face some things that are potentially absolutely traumatic. <clears throat> so where do we go? Well, well, you know, the path of least resistance. We go for the inward exploration of self-comfort, right? The sort of emotional and, and philosophical equivalent of comfort food. And historically, comfort food isn't very good for us, is it? Okay. Of course, I'm not trying to say A or Z here. That's another repeating pattern of what I try to say and what I try to live by. It's not A or Z. We don't go inward just to tear out all of our traumas and, and angers and fears and, and darkness. We don't just do that. Sometimes we do go in to make ourselves feel better, uh, but we also don't just bury ourselves in our own false beliefs and false ideas with limited knowledge, ignorance, and then defend it and celebrate it. I am convinced that the vast majority of people who seem to be celebrating or defending or heralding or screaming about some very obvious ignorance, I'm convinced that they know that they're wrong. I am. And, and that seems counterintuitive. And a lot of people say the opposite. These people are convinced of this and they, they know it and they believe. No, I think they do know. But I think there's a greater benefit to them in that whole comfort food sense to pretend they do. That's what I've noticed. Same philosophies of any cult that exist from, you know, the drink poison Kool-Aid level cults to smaller cults, which maybe don't, <laughs> are often not labeled as cults, but they in fact are. But this cult of ignorance that Isaac Asimov was speaking of, it's not just US, of course, it's everywhere. And so what we're seeing and, and experiencing, that's nothing necessarily new, but because like so many other things with the internet and the social media, everyone has a platform people can talk. So ignorance is now given more of an audience. It's always been there, but it's given an audience, you know? And then we have to couple that with the fact that with all this information accessible to us, how much of that information is actually vetted? How much of it is reliable? Not much. And unfortunately, the people looking for the comfort food are finding it through, well, people who do that. You know, for lack of a better term, priests of ignorance, you know, in all kinds of subjects, pushing information out there that's knowingly untrue uh, for whatever vested interest they may have. And I don't mean conspiratory theories and things like that. You know, someone's trying to take over the world by espousing false ideas on YouTube. I'm sure there's plenty doing that, but mostly it's just, you know, people who go inward for that comfort, for that, for that comfort food, like I said, to hide and to make sense of a world that doesn't make sense through their own personal lives. But there's some of those people who do that who are pretty charismatic and they become leaders of movements that are a celebration of ignorance. And before you think that I'm going down the path of like hyper, you know, science here, uh, or rather, if you think I'm going down the path of hyper science, please understand that science in and of itself, when done appropriately, is a process and an exploration and Again, if done properly, it's a self-correcting process. But most important to remember, everybody in everything that people do in life, there are people who are kind of a corruption of it. They have a misunderstanding of it, though they do it. So there's shitty doctors and there's bad scientists. That's a fact. 
But that's not just necessarily a justification for lumping everything about the idea of science into one pile and think that science is wrong in some way or misguided or just another definition of a cult or, or whatever. Mostly what I'm talking about, though, is going to be like emotional things that we do to ourselves, emotional things that we hide from and don't want to face. Science is cool and science is awesome. And I'm not here to talk about flat earthers. I'm here to talk about, well, hopefully anyway, I'm here to talk about the lies we tell ourselves that we live and the celebration of ignorance of ourselves, that it's okay to be who we are because we simply are. See, that sounds like part of advice that I have given and that we see everywhere and that counselors and, and your friends <laughs> and Instagram memes have posted and, and espoused for years. Be yourself, unapologetically yourself, beautiful. But see, when you say something that general, it comes with a sense of responsibility behind it. That is where we miss. That's where a lot of people miss. That is the ignorance. What do I mean by that? Well, when I say be yourself unapologetically, the context that's missing, the responsibility that you have is to understand that life is one giant fluctuation. Everything exists in the gray areas. Some days are one, you know, leaning one direction. Some days they lean another. Your flexibility is not weakness as long as you have an approach that makes sense, that's consistent for you, that's beneficial to you, that's ideally non-destructive to others. Something that uplifts you and gives you hope on the days that are a little tougher. Something that keeps you flying high on the days that are great. A focus, an approach, an angle, a methodology, but not a fixed, you know, sort of cult-like thinking. That kind of idea where you're flexible but still focused is where people miss a lot. There's too much of not just A or Z, that's the obvious answer, but there's not just A or Z, there's like double A and double Z, I guess, in the sense that people are doubling down on their stances because they it's almost like you get caught with your pants down, like, oh crap, I I'm you know, hiding uh, from my reality. And so I'm going to keep pushing this, this idea uh, even worse now because I'm embarrassed and I don't want to admit that. Ego plays a big part of it. I know, so I'm kind of going in circles here a little bit, but emotional ignorance, behavioral ignorance is probably a lot harder than social ignorance, but political ignorance, scientific ignorance. These are pretty common compared to emotional ignorance. Um, an unfortunate example, which is hard for me to even say, which is something that I live of emotional ignorance is the idea that whatever problems I have emotionally stemming from trauma, stemming from any experience that I've had that's been difficult, any behavior that I exhibit because of my own challenges and my own difficulties and experiences that I've gone through, uh, those are justified because of everything I've been through. And I know it sounds cold to suggest that they're not. I'm not trying to say that trauma isn't real. But when you have a responsibility to your emotional 
lack of ignorance, I guess. Part of that is accepting your role in the problems that you cause. And I don't think there's enough of that. I've been guilty of not enough of that. I've been guilty of blaming my, you know, my entire world around me instead of anything on myself. You know, over the last few episodes, I've been really trying to push the idea to people because that's where I'm at right now. I've been really trying to push the idea to remind yourself that you're not always wrong and that it's not always your fault. And sometimes people are fucked up and they did something wrong to you. It's not always a time to blame yourself for everything. We've, we've been going over that for a few episodes now. But here again, that comes with a responsibility, right? Of understanding that life is a balance up and down. And that pendulum swings left and right too. It's 3D. It's a multifaceted, complicated thing. But if you keep to some kind of methodology that's healthy and good for you, you'll do a lot better than just sticking to one thing. Mm, forgive me, my head's a little bit foggy tonight. I'm up a little later than normal, but I had these thoughts and I want to, to get them out. I don't believe that people are willfully, emotionally ignorant um, for manipulative reasons. I think they're scared and I think they know they're scared. Manipulation is more of an aggressive act. Like you're in control of an exchange, some kind of something or other. Whereas fear is not that. When you're scared, when you're running scared figuratively, you're trying to just take care of your psyche. You're trying to feel comfortable again. You're trying to feel stable. You're not manipulating a situation. Not really. You might be, you know, impacting an exchange or a situation or a social engagement or something or a relationship. You might be impacting it, but I don't think people this scared where they're celebrating ignorance are doing it for manipulation as much, as much as they are just because they're scared. Uh, touching on from an episode from a few episodes ago, uh, one thing that people do all the time is justify their vices. You know, um, like, you know, lately I've been having trouble with my own health in terms of uh, taking care of myself physically with activity and exercise. I used to be big on exercising and now getting back into it. It's been slow and difficult. Uh, eating too much crap, too much junk food, you know, that's a vice, no question about it. And other people turn to booze, you know, alcohol is great. Well, in fact, I mentioned it before, but I'll touch on it again. Uh, alcohol is a perfect example of the celebration of ignorance. It is not necessarily a bad thing because I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm not anti-cannabis. I partake in cannabis. Um, I'm a little bit Timmy Leary, honestly, on what you do to your own body. But again, like, you know, theme today, tonight's theme is self-responsibility. But what we see on alcohol especially is a extreme celebration of ignorance. There's money to be made by giant companies. So they're going to sell you on the idea that alcohol is fun. It's sophisticated. It is synonymous with having a good time. And then if you are the type of person who for any moment, which I've experienced many times, at any moment, say, hey, I think you might have had enough. You're being drunk and belligerent and difficult right now. It's causing problems. It's not just funny. It's causing problems. Man, live a little is what you're told. What's your problem, man? Let it go. Or they say, hey, man, you want to go out and grab a drink? Oh, I don't drink, but I'll come with you. You don't drink? That's cult language. You don't drink? 
you know? And anyone who had struggles with alcohol, but got over it, five years, 10 years, 20, 30 years sober, as they call it, right? Um, they are, they can often be triggered when you don't acknowledge that their effort means something. They often feel weak and meaningless. It, it's shocking to me how many things are known to be self-destructive. At this point, I'm talking about multiple things, but alcohol is one of them. Uh, having a glass of wine or, you know, a martini, not killing anybody. I don't give a shit. I'm not trying to say it's bad, but we know the problems that people have with alcohol. We know the idea that, that this is good. Alcohol is good. And if you speak out against it, you're just boring. You're trying to ruin my fun. You don't get it. Wow. How do you have, you know how many times I've heard people say, how do you have fun if you're not out drinking? Wow. <laughs> and a lot of people see lots of other things that they can put into their bodies um, as well, mind-altering things. They have the same philosophy. But other behaviors are included in the same self-destructive vices. And too many self-destructive vices we justify. Like one of them, for example, we've talked about it before. I say that if you're sincerely, authentically, an asshole, then be an asshole, right? We talked about that a few episodes ago because your authentic self is going to give you and the people around you a better experience. Most people who are token assholes, like really over the top and everybody hates them, everybody fucking hates them and they're not happy. And that facade falls apart at some point. But those people who are not full tilt, over the top, Andrew Tate assholes, they're just assholes and they just kind of are. Often they'll have a, a very, I don't know, some other element that could be a soft side to them that makes them very sincere and sweet. They could have a very protective nature about those they care about. They could have a very consistent work ethic. There's always something positive there on someone who's just kind of an asshole. That is what I was talking about. Finding your balance in your authentic self. You don't have to be soft-spoken and gentle and, and anything else. If it's just not, if you're like, I'm kind of rude sometimes. I don't give a shit. I'm blunt. Okay. But you can be that and not be a complete waste of space, waste of energy. You can be that and not be completely self-destructive. You can be that and not be totally outwardly destructive. <clears throat> and that's what I'm talking about. One of the biggest ignorances we have that we celebrate is our commitment to our destructive behaviors and our commitment to our self-destructive behaviors. We don't just double down on them. We don't just think about it. We outwardly, vocally defend it. We celebrate many vices in this country in marketing and in advertising. Everything is decadence and over the top. And if you're not partaking in that, then you have a problem somehow. You're boring. What do you mean you haven't binge watched that show? What do you mean you haven't gone to that fast food joint? eating that 3,000 calorie thing they have. Come on, man, live a little. You even have people who word things in very poetic ways like life is short, eat the cake, have the drink, tell somebody you love them. Advice on the surface, which sounds good because you do, you know, life is short and you have to live for it. But see, we love our Isaac Asimov quotes. We love our inspirational memes about being ourselves. We love a lot of things like that, but we always push it too far and we turn into things cult-like. And cults are always about ignorance. 
We don't like gray area. Ignorance is the very definition, excuse me, certainty is the very definition of ignorance in a sophisticated civilization that we have. There are certain things you can be fairly certain about. There are things you can believe in with conviction. But as soon as you determine that one or many things that you believe are absolutely irrefutable, and not only that, should be accepted and adopted by everyone else, at that point, that's ignorance. That constant flux that we're in of exploration, which is relatively well accepted and embraced by the scientific process, but also by other things that are not defined by the scientific process. The scientific process is so general that you're participating in it regularly without realizing it, even if you're quote-unquote against science or scientism, as that little term likes to show up. I understand that it's not comfortable to be in those gray areas, to be in a state of flux, to be in a state of questioning and exploration constantly. We go inward and we hold on to our beliefs to the death because to us that makes us comfortable. It's all we have some days. And these days, a lot of those, a lot of those days are just holding on to little vestiges of what we have inside us. A lot of times they come from the past. They come from how we grew up. They come from um, the residue from trauma because we know that that causes us to be a certain way. It causes us to feel a certain way. We carry that. Sometimes we embrace that pain. And we, again, we, we live for that. We go inward. We find our comfort food and we say, this is how it has to be. That, how does that materialize? And materializes in you defending like plainly ignorant ideas, not only like vocally, but vehemently and living a life defending these things as if somehow or another, that's what you want, but you don't. And you're in a constant denial. Because even in thinking that life is in the gray area and everything fluctuates and we only need really a methodology to move forward in life that's flexible and adaptable as things change and as we experience new things, even if we say we have that philosophy which sounds very, very logical and sound on the surface, we still have a responsibility. We're not suddenly scot-free. That responsibility is to keep our head and our minds open to everything that we experience. And to keep accepting that things can change. Your beliefs can change. Every day. You must accept new information. And so, to wrap up, when Isaac Asimov said that there is a cult of ignorance in the United States, he's completely right. It's all over the world. And I recorded now almost 30-minute podcast episode, and it won't fix it. Nothing is going to just fix it. But I hope any anyway, that if it comes... If you listen to this and think, hmm, it is just in me, isn't it? I do need to go inward for, for what's difficult but real about me because that authenticity will continue to, you know, it'll expand to be a halo effect to those you know, and they'll be more authentic if you show them that. As I sit here and say all this stuff and there's no one to argue with me in this recording, it's just me and a microphone, I sound very sure of myself. 
But I'm not here to tell you that I have all the answers. I'm not here to tell you that the last 28 minutes has been the, the absolute fact of what you need in your life. I'm here, hopefully, to get the idea across that when you go inward to explore yourself, that you really look at it as objective as possible. You look for the good, you look for the bad. And you realize that tomorrow it'll be different. And the next day after that, it'll be different. The beauty of life is in the exploration. The beauty of life is in the flexibility. Okay? And if you really think about it, here's my final thought to you. It seems almost absurd. But memes aside, inspirational memes aside, life is short. It is. And you should live it to the fullest. But you shouldn't live it ignorantly. That's not living to the fullest, is it? Dumping yourself in your vices, your false beliefs and your ignorance, thinking, fuck it, I'm not going to be here long. I'm going to go with this. Well, you can choose to go with anything, but understand that most of the things that you're going with, someone put it in your head. You didn't figure that out. You didn't experience that, process that inward and come up with your own assertion. You're repeating what you were told. You are living it up, living for yourself because life is short. You're living someone else's life. Your life is in there. It is. You just got to go in and feel it out for real. You have to process it in the context and with the pieces of information that you've experienced in life, which did come from other people. That makes sense. But more often than not, I hear people repeating things. I shouldn't hear you yelling at me about your life philosophies and how you went inward and you know this is the way life should be and everybody else is wrong. I shouldn't hear that. It should happen within you. And I should, when I experience you, I leave that exchange thinking, what a great person, what a positive person, what a useful person, what a practical person, what a productive person. At the very least, at least one that doesn't do any harm. When we're defending our vices, when we're defending our fears, defending our ignorance, we can become destructive to others. We can lose friends. We can lose family members. We can lose relationships. So when Isaac says, he says that people are saying that democracy supposedly means your knowledge is just as good as my ignorance. That's a responsibility. Understanding that you have to find that middle gray. No one likes middle gray. It's not comfortable. And we have been trained to not like middle gray. You're with us or against us. You're A or Z. You're good or bad. You know? And that's just not how life works. So I'm going to stop talking now. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Uh, any questions at all, drop me an email, nbp at ninobatista.com. I always appreciate you guys listening. Good night.